Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. Amen, amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you have a little one, we do have nursery under the age of two. We do have our nursery available. Um, And Sunday school should be dismissed. But if you have a a little one in Sunday school, teenagers, you are in today. And uh, buckle up. Turn to somebody and say, buckle up. Uh, Pastor's got a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, we're going to see if he can, he can buckle up and, and, uh, and, and get through this. Mark chapter 13 is also where we're going to go. Those are the two opening scriptures, and I'll let you be seated. Uh, but uh, we're going to see. Oh, no, no, no. Stay, stay standing. I'm sorry. Stay standing. I'm sorry. Some of y'all, I caught y'all. Wait one second. Hold on. Let's read the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 3, the Bible says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not loving good. It's quite a list there that Paul is telling Timothy of people in the last days. But he goes on to say they'll also be treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sounds like some people of our generation. Having the appearance of godliness but denying the power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep in. Now go ahead and go to verse 7. They're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. I want you to focus in on that verse there, of those two men. Those two men. Now, Mark chapter 13, verse 21 and 22 and 23 says this. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders, watch this, to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. That's the words of Jesus. Told you, pastor's coming in hot today. Y'all, uh, y'all better buckle up. I tried to forewarn you. But Jesus says, be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Be on guard. Amen. Now, if you will indulge me, I'm going to try to have a cute title so you're going to memorize it, but I promise it is not what it is going to seem on face value. 
But here's what I want to preach to you today on this subject, fake news. Now, I thought some of you would get a chuckle out of that. Some of you are offended by that. It's not where it is, I promise. Turn to two or three people and tell somebody, fake news, and then you can be seated. Hang with me, I promise. Amen. Now, the term fake news is used a whole lot nowadays. And I'm not going to indulge in the folly of what is fake and what is real and what's valid and what's invalid. But I'm going to take a hard left and talk to you today and explore the OG of fake news. And the OG, for those of you, is the original gangsta of fake news, and that is The Onion. How many of you have ever heard of The Onion? Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay. Now, The Onion was a website that was made by an organization to be uh, come up with fake news. And they have been around since the late 1990s, and they have pranked and duped people for decades in their stories. One of their most popular headlines was the world death rate holding steady at 100%. Some of you didn't get that. Let me repeat that. The world death rate is holding steady at 100%. Meaning, hey, guess what? People are still going to die. (laughs) And that hasn't changed. And you would be shocked at how many people clicked and thought, oh, my, what's going on? Now, there's another type of this in the Christian world called the Babylon Bee. Has anybody heard of the Babylon Bee? Okay, good. At least some of you have heard this. Now, the Babylon Bee is the same thing. It is news stories made up to be funny or to be fake. And uh, it's this element of, of sharing these things in headlines uh, if you scroll through the Babylon Bee. And now, if you're not careful, you will find occasionally one of these stories come through your news feed on your social media. And uh, like a subject that said this, and the Babylon Bee is all Christian, and it said husband daycare now available at all Hobby Lobby locations. Or one of my favorites, new Bible interpretation goggles are now available. And this was the thing. And people click on this. And what's amazing is 3.7 thousand shares. That's fascinating, people. Uh, one of the favorites was a Crock-Pot introduces new 430-gallon model called the Baptist. Some of you didn't get that, but get the Crock-Pot, you put it in, and the, okay, tough crowd. Uh, but one of my favorites that really got me was this headline, Elevation Church debuts water slide baptismal. Can you imagine Now, I don't know about you, but I would be tempted to get baptized again if I could go down the slide, and and I get a witness. Any honest people in the place? Okay, all all, all seven of you, great. Yeah, and and when I clicked this, I thought, you have got to be kidding me. In my day, I never thought, and then I realized the source. But what's fascinating is the 344,000 shares that came from that headline. Now, in a sense, we must consider the depths of the articles I listed. But what was interesting is not these articles that I've shared with you today, but I was reading a paper and I was reading, a, 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 I guess, a, 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 a synopsis, if you will, of, of states. And a headline caught my attention about, about this. And 
One thing that is worrying the authors and worrying skeptics and critics and sociologists in our day that has now become a big issue because of the the uh, growth of things that are, are fake and false and out there is, is they said what used to be funny is no longer funny because it is now terribly frightening to these sociologists and, and even people in different arenas of politics and money. And, and if you aren't careful, the reason they said is people aren't sharing these articles because they're funny. They're sharing them because they believe they're true. And I thought, well, some are sharing them because they're funny. But some may actually believe in the articles themselves. And what's interesting is, is we must understand that one thing that makes something fake is it has just enough truth to believe it, but not the whole truth. Now, hang with me, somebody, as I'm getting ready to preach today, is that there is an element of truth, but not the whole truth. And the Bible declares and shares this very phenomenon. This is not something new. This is not something that's just come up in 2019 or not the elevation of, 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 of social media. No, no, no. This is something that has been around for thousands and thousands of years of people getting to be deceived or persuaded of something that has an element element of truth, but not the whole truth. And to get where we're going this morning, we must first understand this premise for everything that is real, the world attempts to counterfeit it, attempts to try to distort it, it tries to discourage it. And Paul declares the truth to Timothy that we read in 2 Timothy. When he lists the long list of things, he goes through all of these things, and I read them to you, and some of you say, oh, I could understand what Paul is telling Timothy when he's going through, and he's saying that, you know, there's people that will be lovers of self, and lovers of money, and arrogant, and abusive, and disobedient, unholy, and heartless, and unpleasable. You can check the box on a lot of those things, but but he also then at the end of that ties in this cute little story that people pass over because they normally stop at the list because they can check it off. But in verse 8, Paul just happens to slide in this cute little text, and he says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, they will not get very far. For everybody will see what was of that of those two men. The interesting thing is Janus and Jambres is somebody that you probably are not familiar with unless you've studied the Bible or maybe you've explored the depths. But this is the only place in the whole Word of God that those two names are mentioned. It is the only place that the characters come into light is Janus and Jambres. Buckle up. I'm going to give you something today that I hope you will begin to sink your teeth into and understand what pastor is trying to get you to understand today is that Janus and Jambres, their legacy of these two men are limited at most and definitive when it shares that they opposed Moses with everything they had. They were against Moses. They were against the man of God. They were a symbol of fighting truth. They stand today remembered in history thousands of years later by one single sentence. They opposed the truth. Now, if you've got your Bibles today, We're going to go on a little journey on these two characters. Exodus chapter 7 is the reference of Janus and Jambres. Now, Janus and Jambres 
are found and they enter into the stage as characters after the Lord has called Moses from a burning bush and Aaron. And we find that at this point, the Bible specifically says Moses is 80 years old and Aaron is 83. And they step up to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 7. And in Exodus chapter 7, verses 10 and verses 11 and verses 12, we find this really, really great thing because we see that there is an element of something happening here. The Lord has given Moses an instruction, and he tells Moses and Aaron, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Go tell Pharaoh that, hey, I'm going to get them out of this. And we find that he, they said, what are we going to do? Who are we going to tell the people? And, and we know the Lord gives them the answer to the people. But not only does the Lord give the, Moses an answer to the people, he also gives an answer to Pharaoh. Can I just say this right now today? Is that God already has an answer to your problem. Even if you don't know what it is, he's already come up with the answer to what you're facing. And you may say, I don't know. What if the people question me? God says, I've got an answer for that. He said, what if my enemy questions me? I've already got an answer for that. And so we find in Exodus chapter 7 that if you look in your Bibles, Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh just as the Lord tells them to. And you see that they said, hey, when it is, throw down your staff and it will turn to a snake. And as they throw the staff down, to show Pharaoh, we're not just two guys. We're not just two people that are here saying, hey, let this whole people go. Free them from slavery. Free them from the evils of this thing that you put them in. He's saying, no, no, no. We're not just here as two representatives. We're here by divine authority of God, and we're going to prove it to you. So we throw down the staff. But this is where you see in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 11. Look at your Bible. For Pharaoh then summons the wise man and the sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. And they step up as a truth that there's always a contrast, always a yin and a yang, always an opposite of somebody fighting. There is something coming against the Lord, and we find that there is a counterfeit experience in a battle of who is, and the magicians step up, and they throw down their staff, and boom, their staff turns into a snake. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty fascinating. I don't know that magic trick, but I wish, and, and I thought about, man, if I could do that to the people on Sunday... Boy, they would be really impressed with me as their pastor. I mean, I thought, boy, you know what? I would be like pastor of the year if I could be like, Yo, so he had this avenue and then a snake. But then the reality of it is, is who's going to pick the snake up and see where that's going. And we don't handle snakes. Can I get a witness somebody? Amen. No, no, no. Not, not, mm-mm, not today, Satan. Now watch this. Now, in essence, the Bible then says is that he throws this down and continue reading with me. But watch, as they do this, then the, the snake of, of, of Aaron's goes and eats the magician snake. Now Pharaoh says, look, you guys can throw a snake down. We throw a snake down. No big deal. This isn't obviously of the Lord. This is just a fake experience to dupe me to get rid of these people. But then we find that it goes further. If you skip down to verse 20, that the Nile is there. 
and the Nile, they say, hey, we're going to turn the Nile into blood. And as verse 21, when they do this, the water was changed and the fish died. But in verse 22, we see enter Janus and Jambres part two step into the equation as they oppose Moses. Here they are stepping into the realm because they were cute with their first trick. But the second trick, as they say, we can turn this into. And guess what happens? By the same thing, the Bible says in verse 22, by their secret arts, they turn it into blood as well. Mm. And the Bible says Pharaoh's heart is hardened all the more. So in verse, we find in Exodus chapter 8, in verse 6, in the ten plagues, we find that now into the third plague, that there's frogs. And Aaron stretched out his waters over Egypt, and frogs came up out of and covered the land. But verse 7 of Exodus chapter 8, but the magicians did the same thing. Thing. Now, I don't know about these guys. These guys are impressive. They turn blood. They've got snakes. They're making frogs. Yo. Now, if you could imagine, the skeptic would probably concur that, boy, is this really the Lord if other people can do this? Is this really something God is doing if these guys are doing it by their sorcery and their magic and their arts and their sleight of hand, if you will? Is this really of God? Surely not. But yet we find that Moses and yet we find that Aaron are telling the king, they're telling Pharaoh, hey, this is of the Lord. You've got to let these people go. And Pharaoh's saying, what's your proof? Everything you're doing, my guys can do too. Everything that you've showed me, it's, it's, in, 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 it's in, insignificant because I can do the same. But then we find in verse, in the fourth plague, that we find in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 18. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats, now this is the fascinating part. When they came to a certain point, they tried to produce these gnats, and as they do, they absolutely cannot because in verse 18, the Bible says, by their secret arts they could not. In verse 19, the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen just as the Lord said, hear me today. There are certain things that you can fake. There are certain things that you can try to duplicate. There are things that you can try to manipulate. But when it comes to the things of God, eventually they can't do that. It can't be duplicated. It can't be replicated. The power of God can't be manipulated over and over. Yes, there can be people that can fake out the power of God. But I'm here today to tell you that there comes a point where they say, we don't know what else to do because we can't duplicate that because God has to be in this. It's impossible that something else happens. Hear me say, there's people that can discredit the power of God and disqualify the things of God, but I'm here today to tell you there comes a certain point where you can no longer doubt it. You can just say, I don't know, but the only thing I know is it's done. It's like what I shared last week. There are things that are similar, but they are not of the same substance. There are things that are similar but they just aren't the actual same. And we find over and over that there are things in the Lord that these two magicians, Janus and Jambres, 
as they stepped up to try to manipulate Pharaoh for job security, personal gain, whatever it may be. Eventually, that was exposed. Hear me today. This is a quote that you ought to write down. It's a quote pastor lives by that time and God will vindicate you. Eventually in your life, eventually, hear me today, it always comes to light. The truth will always eventually come out. And hear me today. There are things that may be similar, but they're not of the same substance. And eventually, God will reveal. God will show case, God will pull back the veil and say, no, this is what is real. For people can promote different things. People can promote different ways. The world can say, you don't need to do any of that. But hear me today. The world is not my home. People are not my guide, and convenience is not my desire, and that is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know about you today, but I want his way to become my way. I want his path to become my path. I don't want to just be right. I want to follow what is right in his eyes. I want to follow the truth, nothing but the truth, and the whole truth. So help me, God. Hear me today, somebody. I want to follow. If it is in the word of God, I want to abide. Abide by it. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. And I want the Lord to be my shepherd. Because when he's your shepherd, he'll lead. He'll guide. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 23, if you are unfamiliar with that famous psalm, it said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For he makes me to lie down in green pasture, and he leads me beside still waters. The, the beauty of that is that when you understand the Lord is making you to do something, you can fuss and you can cuss and, 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 and you, can, you can get frustrated all you want and you can be upset at what's going on. But hear me today. In that essence, you've got to understand that I, the Lord is leading. The Lord is guiding the Lord is helping me. He is guiding me in every direction, even when it may be uncomfortable. If he's your shepherd, if he is your way, you trust in him because he's making you to do that. And that's why when you say in verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The reason that is, is it's a comfort because you know it may not, I may not like it, it may not be the way I wanted to do it, but it's the right way because he's my shepherd and he's leading me and he's guiding me and I may be a little frustrated and I may say, God, why are you doing this? But just because I don't understand the why doesn't mean I don't need to follow the way. Can I say that again? Just because I don't understand the why doesn't mean I don't need to follow the way because if he's your shepherd, I want to follow his way. Mm. Can I get a witness, somebody, that I want his way to become my way? That's why I want to follow his way, because he's the leading of me. And the reason I can go through the valley is because he leads me. The reason I can go through tough times is because he leads me. And if he leads me, that means he is with me. He won't lead me somewhere to leave me somewhere. See, when we understand that he's leading us, the power of God is real. And when he's leading us and guiding us through the toughest times, it may be upsetting and frustrating 
and absolutely angering. And we may be like, we're at the end of it all. But can I get a witness somebody? But sometimes when I look back, I see the hand of God. I can't always see it when I'm in it. But when I get out of it, I can look and say, man, he was faithful the whole time. He was there the whole time. He guided me the whole time. Why? Because if he's leading me, he will not leave me alone. He will follow with me. I would rather go wherever it is with the Lord by my side than to wander down my own path and think, here I am. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the rest. Hear me today, somebody. It's not about what I want. It's if he's my shepherd, he will lead me and guide me and move me. I don't care about what the world says and what they think is right what they think is the right way to go. I want to follow what God says. For when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. Hear me today, somebody. When I need the Lord, when I need God in my darkest times, sometimes what I need to do is to just take a step back and understand it's not stuff that the world can give me, but I need to just get in the presence of God because God's presence and his provision and his protection is what's most important. Hear me today, and if you're saved, if, you're, if, you're, if you are a child of God, if you're born again, if you've been baptized, if you've received the Holy Ghost, you're his... Hear me today. When you go through that, you've got to understand. Sometimes the world will tell you, you know what you need? You need more of this. You need more money. You need more vacations. You need more stuff. You need more. You need more. That's what, but hear me today. That is all an element of a substance that's trying to fill a void that he created that only he can fill. We're, we're crazy if we think that the world can fill what he created only that he can fill. The world can't fill that void. The world can't fill that stuff. Now, in essence, I know this, is that his provision and protection is so powerful. I asked if I could share this, but Tamika, on Friday night, we got a, we got a message. Naya, stand up. I didn't ask you this. You're not going to stand up for me? All right, just raise your hand so they know who you are. But you know they're all going to look at you when you leave, right? You know they got you marked now. Yeah, the girl in the pink sweater. Yeah, got her. I'm so glad our teenagers are in here today. Now I can embarrass them. Candace, you look good on the front row. Evelyn, where are you at? Good to see you today. Glad you got off work. Don't miss work anymore. Oh, wait, don't miss church anymore for work. You shouldn't miss work either. That's bad. But don't miss church for work. Glad you got that off. Amen. Thanks, Mom, for getting her off. Now, here's what I know. Hi, dear. Are you preaching with me today? Here's what I know. On Friday night, got a text message that there was a fire in Tamika's house. And Anaya was asleep. Candle caught the house on fire. I don't know about you today, but this conversation on Sunday morning could have been a whole lot different of this sermon of us grieving, saying, God, why would you take the life of a beautiful, sweet young lady? Why would be that sermon this morning? 
that God's a comforter. I'm here today to tell you he's still a comforter. I'm here today to also, though, tell you that God's a protector and that he's not just a protector. He knows to say, hey, you got to wake up. There's a fire in the living room. She's in the bedroom. Get this. She's in the bedroom. And I asked if, share. I didn't ask Naya, but Naya, I still love you, girl. But I asked Tamika if I could share this day. Fire's in the bedroom. Or, or fire's in the living room. She's in the bedroom. She wakes up and all of a sudden realizes there's a fire. Runs out of the house. Knocks on the neighbor's doors. There's a fire in the apartment. Fire destroyed the whole apartment. Destroyed the living room. The, there's smoke. It's everywhere. I mean, they lost their whole living room. In, uninhabitable for a couple months, Tamika. Hear me today, somebody. And you know what? I'm, I'm thankful for, for insurance, but you know, we have somebody that's in need. And, and you know what? If we can help her in any way, I, I know our church is going to rally to that. And, uh, and you know what? I'm thankful for, for God's hand. And I know our church is going to help, but I also know that I'm thankful that God protected. And hear me today. The Lord is good. And you can say all you want, and you can say, well, God's good, and I'm going to clap my hands, and I can say, give God praise, oh, and you can do three claps and raise your hands, but hear me today, what you don't know is that God spared somebody and literally said, hey, there's a fire in the living room, let me wake you up and and hear me today, I don't know about you, but when I say God's good, there's a whole lot more that goes into, we serve a good God, clap your hands unto the Lord, when you can say, God, I thank you today for your protection and your guidance, and God, you're a mighty God, I wonder if somebody could give God some praise right now and say, I don't know if the world can say he's not around, but I'm here today to say, we serve a good God that's a protector and a comforter, and he will protect us. Amen. Amen. And I seen the pictures on Friday night, got the text message, and then we FaceTime, Danielle was there. And hear me, that the world can say all they want. Oh, you don't need church. You don't need religion. You don't need Jesus. Until you're in the valley, that's when you begin to realize, maybe I will. When it happens to you is when all of a sudden you can give God praise. When you're in the situation, I can't fathom my kid being at home and all of a sudden me coming back and all of a sudden the house is on fire. Do you, can you fathom what type of emotions are running through your head in your life in that situation where you would say, God, I give you praise today. I'm disappointed with the loss and I'm frustrated with the loss, but hear me today. God's going to replace that stuff, but not only is that going to get replaced, God's faithful that he protected my family and there's a hedge of protection around me that when the devil wanted to destroy me, and the devil came against me, and he probably wanted to take the life. I'm here today to tell you, we serve a God that's so good today, and he's a protecting God. There are people who say, oh, he's not real. That's fine. They can have whatever opinion they want, but for somebody that's in an experience, you can't come against an experience. See, there came a point that people said, oh, we can duplicate certain stuff. You want peace? Go this. You want, you want fellowship? Go, go, to, go to a group. You want this? Go, go here. You, you, you want something? Go. You need more stuff. No, no, no. I'm here to tell you the power 
of the Lord is real and the power of the Holy Ghost is real. And if you read John chapter 14, the reason Jesus says the statement, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, is because there are people who are struggling with doubt and they are trying to reason it and they are trying to logically align it up. And if you read John chapter 14, turn in your Bibles to me, uh, with me. Uh, John chapter 14 and verse 10, Jesus is saying to them, when they're saying in verse 1, 2, and 3, Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. He said, I'm going to leave you. He said, I'm literally going to go to heaven. I've got to go pro- prepare a place for you. And they said, oh, we don't know what to do. What, what do you mean? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then in verse 10, Jesus says, believest thou not that I am the Father and the Father in me? And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. I could mess with your theology a whole bunch there. Because the, the word of God says, hey, you can do the same thing that he did. See, I'm already in deep waters. But you know what they say? Dory says, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Now watch, 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 watch. I, 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 I mean, but tell, that's what the Bible says, right? That Jesus said, if, if you believe in me, Right? He said in verse 12 of John chapter 14. Now, in your Bibles, it may say something different, but, but in my Bible, it does say, Greater works than these shall he do. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Uh, remember last week I said that this is kind of a two-part message that if you can compare it and, and, and if not, go listen to it on the podcast. But, but what I know is, is this, is that when you begin to understand that God is trying to get glory out of our situation and God puts us in stuff sometimes so people can reveal who he is and how powerful he is and people around can say, I don't know, but it gives you a platform that you can say, well, God is faithful and he's good and he's done something great. He said, you're going to do those things that he can get glory out of it. And then he goes on to say, and I will not leave you comfortless, for I am the comforter. I'll send the Holy Ghost unto you. That's what he says in John 14 if you keep reading. Now, I'm almost done. There are people who will always doubt and people that won't believe and won't receive. But here's what I'm, I'm here today to tell you. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I've got two more scriptures. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to see this. Because when we talk about this dynamic of fake news, I don't get my truth from the world. The Bible is the preeminent source. It is the primary source. And, uh, and uh, 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 since I'm just probably offending most of you all today, uh, hope to see you next week. We're going to have a great preacher next week. This would be a good plug-in for him. Uh, Brother Landon Gore will be, Evangelist Landon Gore will be here, and he's, he's going to be great. And so uh, if you're offended today, come back next week. You'll have something better. But as for today, since I'm already in deep, and I told you I've got, I've got a lot, buckle up. Uh, you know, I, I always figure since I'm, 
I'm offending people, Brother Jeff. You might as well just go all in, right? Go down in a blaze of glory. You know, you don't want to just a soft land. You might as well crash land hard into these people. But uh, what I know is, is that it, the, the Bible's the most important thing. It's more important than opinions, more important than family. I didn't give as many amens on that. More important than your friends. I don't care what your best friend since the fourth grade said. They're not as, they're not as on the same level as the word of God. And, uh, I, you know, as much as I, I love my wife, the Bible is the primary source of how I live. I love my kids, but guess what? If my kids decide, hey, I'm not going to believe this, I'm going to walk away, that doesn't affect my faith because I have a personal walk with God that's founded on a foundation that does not move and does not shake and does not vary. It is the Word of God. It is based forever. The Bible says the Word of God is from everlasting to everlasting. It does not fade. It does not wither. It is the same. It continues on. And because of that, that is where we say, you know what, I follow the word of God and the principles of God. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. So if you have a cool digital Bible, you can turn to NLT. But I'm going to read it out of this because I think it's, it's kind of cool how it phrases it. Right, Derek? Now watch this. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ who will someday judge the living and the dead, when he comes to set up his kingdom. Watch what it says, verse 2. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. I could preach a whole lot there on be prepared. Our preparation is important to the process. The Lord is saying, how are you preparing yourself? How are you getting yourself into this? Are you preparing yourself by a personal walk with God? Not just what happens on Sunday morning, but are you digging roots that are deep? Now, but then he goes, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's what pastor does. This is what we would call a rebuking type message this morning. Definitely not necessarily an encouraging type message, just so we're clear, okay? Uh, continuing on, though. For a time, this is where we want to focus, verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. For they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after the myths. That's what the Word of God says, Nolan. It says there's going to come a time that people will say, I don't want truth. I want what I like. Tell me what makes me feel good. Tell me what I want to hear, that I want to get inspired. Tell me that. But now leave the other stuff off. Uh, uh, sacrifice and devotion and uh, Sister Almarina, when the people tell me I've got to do something more, I don't want to do. I don't like to hear that type of preaching. I, sometimes, but that's the type of preaching we need to hear, even if though we don't want to hear. Because he said they will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Do not be afraid or suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. He says work at telling others the gospel. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Turn to somebody and say, that means you. 
turn to somebody else and point your finger and says, that means your ministry. Your ministry. He said, fully carry out your ministry of what God's called you. Noah proclaimed and shared what the Lord was going to do. He tried. He preached. He proclaimed there's a flood coming. God told Noah, build a boat. He builds the boat, and yet people don't believe. People think Noah's irrelevant, and yet Noah still carries out the ministry of God. When God gives us a task, I must be diligently prepared to carry out the task. And in Mark chapter 13, starting in verse 32, Jesus said, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his servants in charge, and each with his work commands the doorkeeper, stay awake. Therefore, Jesus says, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he suddenly comes and finds you asleep. And what I say unto you all, stay awake. Let's all stand. What Jesus and where I go today is this. Is that Jesus proclaimed in John chapter 14, I'm going to leave. We know that the Bible talks about the Lord is going to come back for his church. Now, nobody knows the day. Nobody knows the hour. And pastor would be a fool to stand up here and say, He's coming next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Be ready. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, yeah, some of you are like, yeah. Others are like, uh, some of you are like, student dead gone. I'm out of here. Woo. Others are like, man, I just bought that Tesla too. I knew I should have waited. <sighs> are the Nats really going to win if he comes Wednesday at 4 o'clock? I think the World Series, doggone it. I knew it. Right. Well, the Redskins are always doomed, so you can continue to pray. But. The point would be is that some would be excited if you knew the day or the hour. And some would be saddened. I don't know the day nor the hour. Not, the angels don't know. Uh, anyone that says they know, they're a liar. They're telling you something that is false and contrary to the word of God. I'm just telling you that's what the Bible says. No man knows. Uh, but what I do know is, is Jesus said, you're not going to know the timing but you need to be ready for when it happens. And in a time in which we must understand that we need to be righty and always right with the Lord. It's not get right because the rapture is coming. It's get right and live right and stay right and have a walk with God. Because if you live right, it doesn't know. Some people will come and fuss and say, uh, Pastor, do we believe in pre-trib? 
I'm talking to the church folks right now. Only the church folks knew what I was talking about. Or mid-trib or post-trib. And what that means is, is just for those of you that are new in Christ, some of you are like, what is this guy talking about? Again, next Sunday, Brother Landon Gore will be here at 11 in the morning. It'll be much better. But since I'm in this point, pre-trib means that, hey, the Lord's going to come, and you're not going to have to go through any tribulation, any sorrows. Some people believe you're going to have to go through three and a half years. Other people believe you're going to have to go through all seven years of tribulation, which means all of the things in Revelation that are bad, you got to go through, basically. And then the Lord's going to take you out. Now, you can say and you can debate whatever you want. I don't know if you're pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib, and I don't get into that uh, theological argument at the moment. If you're curious, come talk to me. But, but what I do know is this. If you live right, you ain't got to worry about it. If you live right and have a walk with God, it doesn't matter if you got to go through suffering or you don't got to go through suffering. Guess what? You're, you're still living right and going to heaven, right? Some people think, well, there's no reason to live right. Because, like, once everything starts falling apart, then I'll start to live right. Well, you know, I hope you're right. But what if you're wrong? You've got that idea from some logical reason. But Jesus says, stay right. Because there will come a day and an hour and a time. And I don't preach on the rapture a lot. But here's what I do know is that the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment's notice. The Bible says, like a thief in the night, comes in, snatches it, and it's gone. I've never met a thief to hang out and linger when in the middle of a crime. Some. Those are the ones you like to read about, right? So there he was. He broke in the house, and he decided to make popcorn. He decided he was going to watch his favorite movie, Men in Black, the original, because it's been so long. And then the owners came home. Then he got caught and gone to jail, right? That's like, that's like a Florida man story, right? Florida man breaks into home. Oh, that's such a good, cool pop culture reference. Your pastor's cool today. That's like two. Wow. Okay. Where was I going with that? Oh, the thief. Yeah, it doesn't break into hearts. There we go. The thief never just comes in, sits down, plops down, takes a nap. It's not like Goldilocks. What happens is, is he says, in and out, gone. It's in a moment's notice. Jesus relates that to his coming and says, be ready. Be right. If you don't know. For we know that the Bible tells the story of the ten virgins, the five that were ready and the five that were not. And the five that were not, somehow, some way, whether through sloth, through, through just slack, through, through, through just bad management, but somehow five of those people, they knew the event was going to happen. And yet when they found out, hey, he's coming, they told to the wise, give us some of your oil. The, the wise said, no, 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 go get your own. We're ready for the trip. And at that point, by the time they went and came back, it was too late. And the Bible says as they go and knock and say, hey, we're here, we're ready. The Lord said, no, 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 I don't know you. Depart. Based on those stories, I just want to be very clear and honest with you. That when the Lord comes, it's not a second chance. That sounds good to say. That sounds great. It says, well, I know that there's going to be a trump in the air. And then I guess as I start to see people rising up. 
then I'm going to say, hey, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I'm ready to be right with you. I believe in Jesus. Thanks. I go by. At that point, it's too late. The time to get right is now. When Noah was proclaiming, there's a flood coming. There's a flood coming. Get ready. There's a flood coming. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm building the boat for a reason. There's a flood coming. And they mocked, and they made fun of, and they said, Noah, that's impossible. You're telling me there's a flood that's going to take over the whole earth? Right. I've got oceanfront property in Arizona I'll sell you to really on the cheap, right? No. But watch. When the rain started to fall, all of a sudden people probably thought, oh, okay. And as the waters began to rise, in one of really the most tragic stories in the Word of God, as the waters rise, there had to come a point in which people began to fear for their life. And at that point, they realize this ain't stopping. And as the waters continue to get more and more, they realize I've got to get to the boat. I've got to get to the ark. The ark is a type of salvation. It's a type of church. Stay in the ark. Don't get out of the ark. Stay in the ark. It'll save you. It's the vehicle which will get you into salvation, right? And as people come and they begin to knock on the wall, I can only imagine Noah never opens the door because the door was too late. He couldn't open the door at that point to let them in. At that point, he had to sit in the ark and hear the sound of people screaming, please let me in. At that point, it was too late. Point, the things they made fun of and the things they mocked and the things they doubted. Too late. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God help us that we not buy into a lie that we've got all day and all night and all year. But God help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Help us to not just be ready out of fear, but be ready that I may be able to go to heaven. Help me, O oh God, that I don't buy into a deception that says, oh, you've got all year, you've got years, you've got decades. What if you're wrong? You bought into a thing that there is no get-out-of-jail-free card. And I'm here today to tell you that today is the day to make sure you're right with God. If you haven't repented of your sins, today's your day. If you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized. You need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, today's your day. I'm here today to tell somebody that don't buy into the fake news. The reality of it is, is Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. And if you believe on him, he will begin to help you. He will begin to grow. In the, if you've got something going on in your life, you need to ask God to forgive you of those sins. If you need God in your life, if you need a revival, if you need something more, today, 
today is your day. Now is your time. Today is the day to get right with it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I'm here today to tell you that today is the day to begin to move. Stay awake is what Jesus said. Be on guard for no man knows the day or the hour. But in one moment, you will take a step and you're done. In a vanishing and a twinkling of an eye, the archangel will sound a trumpet and all of a sudden, gone. And the world won't know and the world won't have an answer. They'll think it's aliens or they'll think it's something else, but the Lord knows. And the church, God forbid the church miss it and say, I missed the rapture. I'm here today to tell you today is your day to get right. If you would, I wonder if you would come down to this place and find a place that you can find a place to get right with God. If you need the Lord today, today is your day. If you need a place, I would just encourage you to make sure and not take it for granted. Say, oh, I'm good, Pastor. Are you good? What does it hurt to come to the altar and say, God, I want to make sure I'm right with you. God, I want to make sure that there's no sin in my life. God, help me today. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day in which to say, God, I give my life to you. Lord, I give you my all. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my strength. I give you everything. For God, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. God, fill me with your spirit today. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. That's it. I want if you would lift your hands all across this place and let that be a, po- a moment of prayer of just you and the Lord. Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about what they're going through. But the only thing I encourage you is to just say, God, help me today. I want you to find a personal altar with God today. And Jesus can begin to speak to you. Jesus can begin to deliver you. Jesus can begin to set you free. But if you are hearts gone cold, don't fall into the lies of superstition or fake. But God is real and he will begin to meet you at your need. Yes, God.